0: our shorter segments is what we're going to be doing from here on out. And today uh, we are going to be featuring Brother Malcolm Russell, who is the Vice President of Easter Seals Enterprises here in Northern California. And he's going to share a tremendous story about his Filipino mom and his African American father uh, who was in the military and they're out from Marshall, Texas, uh, grew up in Oceanside, shout out Oceanside, all the Hamoa, Samoans, Tongans, and Filipinos, and island folks out in Oceanside, shout out to Oceanside. And uh, he will be sharing a tremendous story, one that, you know, to, to do the right thing and make the hard decisions by doing the right thing when no one is watching. Thank you for tuning into this episode of the Coach V Show. And now a word from
1: our sponsor My Free Pharmacy is the future of pharmacy today. We are a membership-based pharmacy, headquartered in Ohio, and we ship door-to-door for your monthly prescription. MyFreePharmacy offers 91% of the most prescribed generic medications in the U.S. 87% of all prescriptions in America are filled with generic medication. At MyFreePharmacy, we are laser-focused on delivering medications Americans actually use. For a monthly subscription of $19.95 for individuals or $29.95 for households, We can ship all your generic medication with no shipping costs. Call us for a free analysis on how we can save your company or organization up to 40 to 60%. Sign up today at MyFreePharmacy.com forward slash join and get your generic prescriptions free with a paid monthly membership. Visit MyFreePharmacy.com forward slash join and start saving today.
0: Welcome to The Coach V Show. Your Hollywood radio show for personal development with expert insights and interviews to help you, me, and we work to be our best and live our best life. Offering for your consideration through some of my insights, as well as the featured guests, it is that we have their insights. This for your consideration, success frameworks, behavioral models, and life lessons that if you should find value in them, that you please subscribe and deploy it all over your life, leadership, and business. Here on the Coach V Show, where iron sharpens iron, together we rise, powered by the Island City Media Group, where the beach meets the streets. We we are broadcast from Hollywood, California's Dash Radio Studios. Shout out Dash Radio. And today I am super juiced to have one of my brothers on the show, brother Malcolm Russell, who is currently the vice president of Easter Seals Enterprises here in Easter Seals Superior of California. Malcolm is born in Marshall, Texas. That's why he's a Cowboys fan living here in California, but we'll get to that. Raised in Oceanside, California. Shout out Oside.
1: He attended
0: Mount Miguel High School in Spring Valley, California in San Diego County. While in high school, he became a peer educator with Project Enable, with the San Diego Urban League. From an early age, Malcolm knew he wanted to be in the business of helping others. So he left the San Diego Urban League and became a board member of the San Diego Youth and Community Service. Malcolm became a father at the young age of 20. So he enlisted in these United States of America's Army, and during his tenure, he earned the Distinguished Service Medal, the Bronze Star, for his first trip downrange in Iraq, and his personal favorite, the Ranger Tab. Currently, Malcolm, as I said in the beginning, introducing him as the VP, Vice President of Easter Seals Enterprises, where they provide opportunities for people with disabilities so that they will have an equal opportunity to live, learn, work, and play in their communities. Malcolm has a master's in business from the University of Phoenix from 2013, and he will resume his academic endeavors with a master's in organizational leadership from Golden Gate University in San Francisco beginning the new year of January, 2023. Welcome to the Coach B Show, your boy, Mr. VP himself of Easter Seals, Brother Malcolm Russell. Malcolm, welcome hey. to the show, brother.
1: appreciate it, Coach. I appreciate it. Uh, my, I, I love the way you uh you introduced me and uh I truly have to give props to you uh for help coach guiding and mentoring me uh over the past year so thank you coach no my
0: pleasure i mean the the coaching i did for you that that's that's only part of it the fact that you hit three two three pointers when you came <laughs> in to the championship for for team 4 at the team four. park the most renowned outdoor well at least our basketball level. in our in our world yes you know so, what I mean so Malcolm thanks for coming on the show Malcolm tell us about your story uh being born where were you born and talk to us about your Genesis point brother Malcolm. man
1: I, you know uh so not so long ago but long ago uh, I was born in Marshall Texas my old man uh, was in the Marine Corps uh, my mother uh, is from the Philippines so uh when they met in the Philippines, uh, made me. And so I was born uh, at Marshall, the funny story is we were, my father was actually transitioning us from Marshall, Texas to Oceanside, California, right to Camp Pendleton. And uh, I threw a monkey wrench in the whole program, uh, brought the water, decided so to come out. And, uh, and that's why I was born in my father's hometown of Marshall, Texas. Uh, mm-hmm. Grew up in Oceanside, uh, typical knucklehead stuff that uh, individuals that, that grew up on the east side where I grew up of Oceanside, bunch of crazy knuckleheads doing crazy knucklehead stuff, uh, but learning the lessons, not only of, uh, of culture uh, and community, but you know, was there was nothing where it was straight up Hispanics and then blacks in my community in the neighborhood I grew up in. And the funny thing is my mother, it's a very, very pale skinned Filipina. So they just assumed that my mother was white mm. until she spoke. Mm. And then, then, you, then you already knew from that standpoint, because she was speaking to him in Tagalog, maybe mm. even cussing them out in Tagalog. Who knows? But her English wasn't the best. That wasn't her first language. Uh, but now, well, you can't stop her now. <laughs> <laughs> you can't stop her now.
0: Did she used to get at you like Joe Coy?
1: Joseph? Oh man, man you know, she used to get you like
0: Malcolm. What
1: well, uh, come talk here? was. Nako, Na- come here, come here, Nako. Uh, you know, if I'm sick, what? Hey, when Joe Coy made those comments, a lot of the stories that Joe Coy says uh, that he states when he's on stage, I'm a living testament. I had Vicks vapor rub on my chest. I had it (laughs) under my nose. I had it on my feet with the sock put on top of it. So the pneumonia comes out. That's, you know, I didn't know I had pneumonia. (laughs) That's what she said. And that's what executed, man. And and I tell you uh, not only was I, am I grateful for the way I was raised, my Mm -hmm. upbringing. uh, Because we were poor. Oh man, brother V, when I tell you we were poor, we, we would get government cheese. From the community. In the block. The in block the block. Cheese. About this big, yeah, right? About this thick. And uh, you try to make a grilled cheese sandwich and it wasn't very grilled. <laughs> it was definitely cheesed, but it wasn't grilled. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. That, that was him putting hot dogs in your top ramen and your new news that, you know, that was the or spam. Yeah. You know, coming up with spam and eggs and rice. You know, we had rice with everything uh, growing up as a youngster. It was like you had a bowl of cereal. So you had some Rice Krispies and you had a bowl of rice. Right. Introduce us to your parents, please, Malcolm, who man, are you? Man, my mother is from uh, Cebu, Philippines, one of the islands there. Uh, she is, her name is Maria, and uh, she is my, the first woman I ever loved as a, as a young man. I am a mama's boy, you know, when mm. my mom calls, it doesn't matter what, what what's going on. If she needs something, and I have the ability to make it happen and affect change, it's done. Mm. My old man, man, let me tell you, this is, uh, I, I, I didn't realize how much I am of my old man until I've come into my, well, I just hit 46 uh, earlier this month. Yes, sir. And uh, so I'm blessed uh, to have seen 46 years and I'm, and I'm working my darnest to make 47. Uh, God willing, I'll hit 47. My old man, Samuel Ray Russell, old country boy uh, had country thought processes, uh, had country raising from, you know, when he put his hand on my backside as a youngster, you know, Mm. I knew, I knew from a young, young, young age, that's not the man I'm crossing. As a matter of fact, I'm still not crossing him to this very day. (laughs) Yes, sir. I I am afraid uh, the right fear of my father. Uh, I, I fear my father because one, he's my dad. Uh, period. He's my dad, and uh, at the end of this month, well, I just in case he sees this podcast, he might, he might, uh, he knows, might find out what's going on. But I am, uh, I'm going to take him to a football game. We're uh, we're both Cowboys fans. We we both lead blue. We we ride and die with that that silver and blue star, and uh, we're going to both go see our first. Dallas Cowboys game at the new stadium together. Me and my old man will watch the Chicago Bears and the Cowboys play. Nice. Nice. So so talk
0: to me about, uh, because family from my wife and I are are everything, but um, we've come from families, both Martha and I, were family is everything. Both parents Mm -hmm. um, raised both of us. Uh, They were together always. And so Martha and I and the kids are the same way. Talk about some life lessons, Um, you know, take a minute or two about some life lessons you learned from their example, as parents growing up hard, government cheese, man, the two of you guys know all about government cheese and trying to slice that bread without cutting off, I mean, slice that cheese without cutting off my fingers or yeah. slicing off something <laughs> and, and then government bread, man. I, I love grilled cheese. And that American cheese was freaking oh, yeah. phenomenal. It melts so good. Um, so talk about some of the life lessons you learned from your parents as parents. That you do now, and just some some life lessons that they instilled in, into you, brother Malcolm.
1: You know, one that that automatically pops to mind as I as I alluded to earlier. My old man is a his country. You know, Texas living is uh, how my old man was raised, and uh, he used to say something to me that was just it, it messed my mind up. But as a youngster, I, again, I think this is part of the the good fear that my old mm-hmm. man instilled in me at a young age. And he used to say, uh, boy, I brought you in this world, I'll take you out. <laughs> right. Yeah, he used to say it, because the, the one thing that, I, that I, I would automatically do you know, throughout all grade school as an adolescent, it was uh, talkative. Uh, I always had an opinion, uh, and I supported whatever my opinion was, even if it was wrong. Mm. At least I was consistent, right? So uh, it, even in, the, in in grade school, uh, the one thing he would look at, you know, I would be, for the most part, a B plus A kind of student, uh, excelled at uh, recess. <laughs> so I was always athletic, but talkative, right? I got a U, unsatisfactory. I was back in the day. I don't know if they do that today. They give you U's for unsatisfactory. But I was, when it came to talkative, yeah, I did it on a regular basis, and uh, one of the tricks that he pulled on me uh, when—and this is in his early days as a as a young Marine—he uh, came in uniform to my school, Pontequest Elementary, and uh, and I was cutting up. I was I was definitely cutting up, and this is back in the days where the, the principal can put a swatting on your behind mm-hmm. if you get behind, if you get out of pocket. And uh, Miss Gilbert, I'll never forget her. She called my old man, and uh, requested permission to put one on my backside. And I heard that man give her the green light. And so my eyes wide open, I was like, "Oh, this is you know, it ain't gonna be nothing because I'm gonna taking whoopings from my old man." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And she pulled out that paddle with the uh, with the holes in it for aerodynamics. <laughs> And she popped me something good. Uh, yeah, that talkative aspect uh, was, was resorted now to the playground uh, right. because, uh, yeah, that, that didn't feel good. And, uh, and to know that he gave not only permission at that moment, but in the future, you don't even have to call. Wow. That's, I mean, I heard his voice. I heard him say it because she had him on speaker. And he gave her the green light to, to put it to my backside. And if I need it again in the future, just go ahead and execute I don't need to talk to my mama. (laughs) (laughs) And what about some life lessons from Maria, your mom? Oh, man. You know, my mother is the hardest working woman that Mm. I've ever known. I think I get, well, I don't think, I know I get my work ethic, that grind out from her. I watched her grind out two or three jobs uh, when my sister and I were, were, were in our single digits. And she still came home. We didn't have a lot of money or a lot of much of anything, to be honest with you. But we had enough inside the home that maybe we weren't, we didn't get a chance to eat craft singles for grilled cheese. It was the government cheese, Mm. but we never went without. And, uh, and that was because of her hard work, uh, her work ethic, her dedication to the jobs that, that she did. And my mother, only had a third grade education mm. and in the Philippines. And so when, you know, you come in here to the United States as, as you know, the wife of a Marine, but you don't quite speak the language, especially down there in the South, because, you know, the South is a little different. Mm. <laughs> they they, mm. they roll a little different when they're talking, right? They got that Southern drawl. Mm. And, uh, so that was kind of a little different to her. Uh, I'm sure when she spoke, it was a little different to them. Uh, But that's truly one of the things that uh, I I can hang my hat on, is that my mother, my Nye, is the hardest working woman that I've ever met. Mm. Talk about high school. Talk about high school.
0: I mean, Oceanside is renowned in the Polynesian community. Uh, for having some some fellas come out of there. Wait, yeah. where did Junior come from? Where did
1: Junior say i come from? He he lived off on uh in the valley, in the deep valley. But he's he's an oceanside guy? Yeah, he, he went to Oceanside Side High. Oh yeah.
0: He yeah, went with my yeah, cousin you know, I, I just I just remember that. So like he uh and some of the other brothers I mean there was two brothers that played one played at Kansas City another Samoan brother was out there. Mm-hmm. Um Man, I forgot his name. He is a jokester, too. But, I mean, Oceanside is renowned for a being street, being hood. But then also that it's about community and helping one mm-hmm. another. And and there's just a vibe in Oceanside that that I love every time I'm down there. Talk about Oceanside, high school. You know, cutting up. You use that phrase. What does cutting up mean? Oh. To explain to the audience your upbringing, please.
1: Well, you know... Gangs are prevalent down and uh, especially at that time I don't I don't know what it's like today yeah yeah yeah, yeah. like late 80s, early 90s yes, right? yes you know you know this is back when the the you know cocaine if you will was for for white folks and crack was for black folks okay to put mm. it that way but that's 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 in essence what I saw coming up as a youngster you know so from uh, I'm going to say I was a, a slang Danny Kane. I dabbled a little bit as a youngster, Mm -hmm. Uh, but I banged. I definitely banged, Uh, was a part of a a Crip neighborhood in the valley, the deep valley. Um, So from like maybe the latter portion of sixth grade to 14. And then it came to an abrupt stop because uh, I ended up in juvenile hall. I've, I've spent my fair share of time locked up between uh, 10 and 12 years old. Wow. I should say 12, mm-hmm. 12 to 14. That, that, that's probably more appropriate. 12 to 14 from banging, uh, grand theft auto, assault with a deadly weapon. Uh, I mean, I, I had my fair share of thump sessions. Uh, I got expelled uh, from, from Lincoln Junior High School uh, and ended up going to a continuation school. Uh, That was just off of uh, Mission Boulevard. And then uh, I got my last uh, case, if you will, when I was 14, which put me in the, uh, the, well, I stayed in the juvenile hall system. I ended up becoming a ward of the state, uh, unfortunately. Uh, But that's how, you know, some of the things that you were speaking of earlier, SDYCS, San Diego Youth and Community Services, I was a recipient of their services when um, I was in one of their homes, uh, kind of like a, a transitional home um, at the age of 14. Uh, I don't even think I hit 15 yet. And uh, not only was I a recipient of, of the services for, for high-risk youth, I ended up becoming one of their prominent actors in, in uh, tour the theater groups. That came out of STYCS Art Street and Team Connection. Uh, Even to this very day, uh, some of my brothers and sisters that came up with, you know, we were all high-risk youth uh, coming up and and doing some some boneheaded things, if you will. Uh, We still family friends to this very day. Uh, they're, They're my brothers and sisters. We 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 performed together. We went out to Julian, California to write our scripts and eat the, uh, the apple pies that come from out there on, on the far east end of uh, San Diego County, going out to Julian, uh, I learned a lot of lessons. And some of those lessons are, are even applicable today as the man uh, that, that, that you see before you. Uh, obviously experiences, well, that's the best teacher. Mm. Passing on that experience, that means you're the great mentor. Mm. And that's what I've done. I mean, I, I am a father of three. Uh, my son, Dakari, is 25. Uh, my middle son, Shamar, is 19. And my baby girl is, is 18. Uh, and she's a, a freshman down at CSULA. Uh, Dakari, my son, he lives in uh, Oakland. And uh, Shamar is out here uh, in Citrus Heights with his mother. So I put, I've instilled certain things, certain sayings. As a matter of fact, I had a conversation with my oldest son last night. We were talking about some of the the negative things he's experiencing in his workplace environment. And I said, well, I started to say something and he finished it. That's when you know whatever information you're passing on to your children and it is actually sticking. may have taken 20 years for it to happen, but it happened. And so one of the major lessons that I've taught my children was, the hardest thing to do. And he finished it. And uh, the response to the hardest thing to do is the right thing when no one is looking. Mm. It's the hardest thing to do in the workplace. We can all get away with a little bit of this and a little bit of that. But doing the hard right versus the easy wrong will be more to your benefit. Mm. Uh, So that's, that's, I mean, it's true. It was eight o'clock last night. He and I was having this conversation. Mm -hmm. And so you know, the fatherhood status doesn't change. It doesn't stop just because he's not being raised in my home. And, uh, you know, I'm checking on his homework, that kind of stuff. Uh, I'm still his old man. I'm still his old man. And, and I can I have now, now that he's an adult as a 25-year-old man, I can have grown man type conversations with him that's real. I don't have to sugarcoat anything. and just say, hey, right is right. and Wrong is wrong. Now I can tell you the context as to what I'm talking about. Mm hmm. That's awesome. And, and talk about before uh,
0: you mentioned the kids and in your bio, uh, which I didn't know, was that so you enlisted because you became and was going to become a father mm-hmm. at, at the age of 20. <sighs> yes. And then talk about also the life lessons that you learned while being in the army, being a ranger and then the achievements that you achieved, right? The Distinguished Service Medal, the Bronze Star and your Ranger Town, please.
1: And, uh, well, I remember when he was born and uh, I was working, I was a supervisor for Muni, uh, working in the city. I did security for, for Muni. And, uh, you know, I didn't make a lot of money, uh, but I made enough not to live in San Francisco <laughs> at the time, but enough to make sure that food was on this table, that uh, clothes was on its back. And uh, the one aspect that I did not realize or understand at the ripe age of 19, 20 years of age was medical. I didn't understand medical. I was never taught what the aspect of insurance and how important insurance is and how interesting is going to be when you don't. Mm-hmm. So uh, I enlisted in the military and the army uh, because I wanted to be able to provide medical for my son. He had, uh, Dakari, my oldest one, he had, um, he had asthma as, as, as a youngster. And I wanted to ensure that if there's something I could do to make sure he is okay, then that's the actions I'm going to take as, as his father. And, and in this instance, it was, uh, join the military, uh, because they'll take care of everything. Uh, you know, you got your medical, you, you're going to always have food. Uh, you definitely have a job and you definitely have, uh, an on-time paycheck on the 1st and the 15th of every month, right? That's just without question, it's going to be there. Now, the higher rank you are, the more money you make. So then that drove me to want to become, uh, a better leader. Cause I believe I was already a leader at the time. Um, I just wasn't developed. Some, uh I had some, some diehard friends, uh, some brothers, some battle buddies that took me under their wing when I was a youngster. As a matter of fact, uh, Command Sergeant Major, he's retired now, Command Sergeant Major uh, Silva, he came to me and uh, he just got back from uh, Ranger School himself. He was a distinguished honor grad. And so I asked him, I was like, well, hey, so what do you got to do to become the distinguished honor grad? And then he, uh, he gave me the, uh, the playbook, if you will. You got to know this, 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 and this, and this. And you got to be able to execute this, this, and this, and this, and this. And you got to be in top-notch uh, physical fitness. Well, I, re- I wasn't worried about the physical fitness part. I, I felt I was top-notch. We, you know, we were scoring damn near 300s on our test all the time. And this is back in the late 90s. Uh, he taught me uh, operational uh, stuff. Uh, I can't even think of the word now, I just lost it, but operational, how do you, how do you implement uh, fragos? Uh, how do you put uh, war together and actually tell your troops what you expect, how we're gonna do it, how we're gonna rehearse it, and how we're gonna execute said task? In essence, how do we meet the commander's intent? And that's where uh, I learned it. And, uh, and some of those lessons, like troop leading procedures, I still practice them to this very day. I practice it at Easter Seals. Uh, I just did it this morning (laughs) Uh, because as a leader, uh, I've never been a micromanager and I don't think I ever will become a micromanager. If I ever have an individual under me or under my tutelage as a subordinate, et cetera, to where I feel I have to micromanage he or she, then he or she is not going to be part of my training. Uh, because I don't manage that. I empower uh, my staff to do the right thing. I empower them to make decisions. Uh, that's I want you to make decisions. I'd rather you make a bad decision than no decision at all, because we can work that. Can't work no decision, because then that means something fell through the crack. That's unacceptable. Uh, what did I tell Ranger tab So Ranger School. <laughs> Ranger School was probably the most difficult task uh for those two and a half months that i did it or two months i went straight through i didn't recycle when i when i went through uh between fort benning phase so the first phase is uh benning, and then second is dahlonega and then the third is uh fort walton uh, yeah before i just uh, i forgot what they call it but it's fort walton florida and man i tell you if you ever want to find out what you're made of, if you know, or for you, for you to find out if you got what it takes to make something happen, go to Ranger School. Mm-hmm. Uh, you will either be humbled, or you're gonna be tired and you're gonna be hungry, right? Sleeping, uh, food deprivation, that whole thing. But bottom line was the testing to me, at Ranger School was, do you have what it takes to make it happen? Which is a yes or no answer. And if you are, Will you be able to execute said mission regardless of what the, the mission is or how dire and ugly that mission is will you make it happen though you be the lone survivor and the answer is unequivocally yes i mm. uh, i can't go back to ranger school today i would not go back to ranger school today however uh, the lessons learned the training curriculum uh the mental uh the mental strength that you have to have the moral compass you have to have in order to execute that task. I still have it, and it's still embedded into me to this very day. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The bronze star. Yeah. <laughs> man, you know, I earned the bronze star. And I a matter of fact, it's, it's in my man cave now. Uh, there's two generals. Well, actually, there's four, but I'm going to speak on two. There's two generals that, that I just said, you know, whatever they say as a soldier, I mean, I will see to it that mission is complete. First one is, is a Marine General, Mathis, mad dog. Uh, that, that is, he is one of the baddest mofos you can probably come across when it comes to anybody rocking that uniform. He's one. General Petraeus uh, is the second one. And General Petraeus was actually the, the general officer who signed my Bronze Star back in 04, uh, 05. Um, when I was in Iraq uh, between Baghdad and Taji. And my job at that time was to train the Iraqi, the third Iraqi army uh, from the battalion level. And uh, go out on missions with the Iraqi army was a little interesting. Uh, I remember uh, seeing things like, uh, unfortunately, some units uh, went out on a mission in Taji. And uh, a good amount of the Iraqi Army members, uh, they came into contact and uh, they ran. Mm. They, they ran backwards. And not only did they run backwards, they were taking off their uniforms, had different clothing underneath. So now you don't know who is who, right? Because one of the things that we, uh, we truly identify, especially when it comes to combat operations, is does the individual wear the same uniform that you're wearing? right? Is that your battle buddy? Is he covering your six? Is he watching your left and your right? But when an individual takes off their uniform and they have on regular clothing, just like the enemy has on regular clothing, how do you decipher and determine who's friend or foe? So those were some of the most difficult tasks uh, that I had to experience, uh, the battle buddies that I was with Uh, On my 10-man team, I was a part of this uh, 10-man team called CMET, Coalition Military Assistance Training Team, DET7. Uh, I remember it just like it was yesterday. We we trained up together for six or seven months, and then we went out to Iraq to execute our mission, and we did it fairly well. Wow. Amazing. Amazing. And then now you're currently the VP
0: of Easter Seals. Uh, We're running out on time, so about a minute. Like, What do you do
1: as the vice president? Well, my my president, Gary Kasai, hired me for three reasons. He wanted me to, one, provide proper leadership. That's what this division was lacking. And uh, I concurred. I I wasn't even on the job like 48 hours. And I said, yes, I I completely see why you want me doing what you asked. So number one was provide proper leadership. Number two was to change the culture. Change the culture to a can-do for us, through us, by us, and that's my thing. That's the way I word it to my staff. And then finally, as a business major, Easter uh, Enterprises oversees two different uh, entities when it comes to uh, training, rehabbing, and uh, putting adults with disabilities to work, and that's through custodial, as well as landscape. And now, so those are the only two we have in, under the books at the moment, and my job is to expand it to, uh, Whatever footprint, because now it's all about personal, uh, person-centered thinking when it comes to our adults with disabilities. So whatever it is that they want to do, it's my job to figure out how to make that happen. That's awesome. So taking,
0: taking, you know, coming all the way from from Marshall, Texas, to your upbringing in Oceanside, right? To having this deal of oh my goodness, I'm going to be a father at nineteen twenty being in the Bay Area and listening into the Army, then getting into the Army and doing really well, yes. uh, get, getting um, the medical benefits that's required and needed to, to really bring up a healthy family, um, but then also get these distinguished awards. And then since I've met you, you have been a, a graduate of my program, but then you also got this great opportunity, you interviewed and were, was hired as the VP. What, taking a culmination of those experiences, what would be your message to the world, Malcolm?
1: My Lord, my God. Uh, I'm not a very religious man, but however, I I have a higher power and, and I love him. My God doesn't make any mistakes. Mm. Uh, he put me through some trial and tribulations to prepare me for what I am doing today. But I have a feeling Just my gut. I got I have plenty more to go uh, Mm. because if I have the ability to affect change, that's what I want to do. Uh, And those are the opportunities that I look for. And Easter Seals just happened to be uh, looking for somebody of my caliber. I was looking for a company uh, such as Easter Seals, and it was like a match made in heaven. And uh, and I thank the Lord for the blessing uh, to have that opportunity for them to see that I am the man to make this happen. And, uh, and I truly have been there almost four months now. And yeah, the culture is, is, is already starting to change. I already know they're getting provided the, the proper leadership and uh, come January uh, 23 is when we're gonna start uh, expanding our footprint to what, what we have our adults with disabilities make happen. So now as a mentor,
0: your self-reflection would be your messages um, that God makes no mistakes. Now, direct that towards a mentee that might be watching, that's going through some stuff that might be expecting a baby when they didn't know uh, uh, that they were going to be expecting a baby. Uplift and power and inspire w- with a message directly to our viewer, please, Brother Malcolm.
1: That is a great question. I've, you know what? I would say something to this extent, Coach. Like I, Like I taught my son, or all three of my kids, the hardest thing to do is the right thing when no one is looking. Mm. As long as you keep that at the forefront of whatever decision that you make, right or wrong or indifferent, as long as you can look yourself in the mirror and know that you you did the right thing in regards to what other people say, you stick to your your, your position, you stand your ground smartly, and then uh, execute said task. So, I would definitely say the hardest thing to do is the right thing when no one's looking. All right. That's the title of our show right there.
0: The hardest <laughs> thing to do. I like it. Is the right thing when no one is looking. Thank you, Brother Malcolm, for taking this half hour plus uh, just to visit with us. I do want to make sure that we check in, you know, once a year. But but I do have um, a, a hot seat question for you. And so you volunteered and I'm the chief volunteer in charge as our nonprofit is ever expanding the dynamics for paid staff and all that's going to change. But I have been that since 2013. You have generously not only donated, but also donated your time at our camps, at our friend raising and fundraising events. Like why do that, Brother Malcolm? Well, you
1: know, one, you associate yourself with the right people. Coach, one of the baddest cats that I know. Cool as can be, humble as can be, but real as can be. And when you, the, the things that you're doing for the community, the same community I live in, mm, right? I, I'm an, I, I live here in Elk Grove, I'm an Elk Grovian. Uh, if there's something small that I can do, and I, and I look at it as it's, I mean, it's the small potatoes, be it a donation of some funds or an hour or two of my time, to see a kid smile, to hear a kid say some of the things that we're preaching as far as our character. Again, hardest thing to do, right thing when no one's looking. When we start hearing our kids say that, Mm. that's going to carry them through because then it's a domino effect. They'll tell their friends when they're raising their children, they'll be saying some of these same sayings to them because, you know, this is what right looks like. And if, if I have a part to play, or if I can play a part to help enhance that, be it time or money, then it's a done deal. I appreciate you, Brother Malcolm. And, and
0: specifically talk about, so we're at, there's almost 130 something kids at our West Sac camp mm-hmm. uh, football. And then you, your drill that you were running, I think you were running the L drill, right? Was yeah, it the L drill? Run. Eldra. And we featured and we did a competition between players. And this is why I love sports. I have no issue at all with science, technology and all that stuff. I I I love that stuff. I just am not an expert in how to translate the life lessons from a lab into life leadership, business, sports and relationships. Right. But sports does. So we highlighted your drill and we had kids compete like yes. right, there was a winner and a loser and if yes. you lost you came and shook hands yes. but if you won I mean the spotlight was on the vibe and the energy and the impact we made on those kids and then for those kids who weren't in the competition to see like
1: Watch hey it. man
0: this ain't all fun and games at some point this stuff gets real and you got to make choices you got to perform your best and then regardless of the situation or circumstance or the outcome being win or lose that you continue to move forward towards your goals, dreams, hopes, and aspirations. Talk about that drill and your experience to run that drill,
1: Malcolm. You know what? It brought back a lot of good memories. I mean, oh. I, played, I played football, you know, but I didn't get to play, excuse me. I didn't get to play like pop Warner football. Right. Right. Because did parents, I, yep. Yeah. Yeah. We, they didn't have the 44, $45 for me to play. So we played, tackle football on the street. I mean, I grew up on Boina street and Oceanside side on the East side, we were playing tackle football on Boina street, right? That's, that's what we did. And so you toughened up, you may have scraped your knee a little bit, uh, but then you, you brush it off cause your boys are watching, right? Don't, don't, don't give them any room to say you soft or anything. So you cowboyed up and then you went back at it again. When I see doing, when, <laughs> I, when I was doing those drills with those kids, uh, I remember I stopped playing uh, running back because I got tired of getting hit and I wanted to start hitting folk. So I turned, I switched, I played corner uh, and I usually would pick up the number one because I always had the speed. I had the fluid hips. Mm. Was a little bit lighter back then, but the backpedaling, the backpedaling was what's what I was doing to them while they were starting off at that line, uh, just so that they can feel the, the, the physical presence of an individual who was not only bigger than them, uh, probably faster than them in a whole lot of aspects, but it gave them a little push. And that is all I wanted to do. And, and boy, when those kids were going, we had some kids that, uh, you know, little Tyreek Hill we had out there. Oh my goodness. Oh man, I remember that kid. I'm sitting there. Um, not only did we have a chance to impact those kids, coach, we both remember that same kid and we called him Tyreek Hill. Yeah, and, man, that's fast. Man, not only was that kid fast, I think
0: that kid was like six or seven, and he could beat yes. some junior high kids in the L drill. But then, like junior right now, because of those drills, he trusts his agility and he's making cuts. It just didn't flag football, Damn. but yeah. still, it's still space. It's gonna translate mm-hmm. when he gets into tackling if mama lets him do that. But you know what I mean? <laughs> but with that. I just wanted I just wanted you to share that because I thought you did a phenomenal job. Every time you show up to serve. Um, and it's the reason why um, so many of us really reach different levels of success that people are just like, like, why them, right? What's different about them? Well, you know, if, if serving is below you, leading people is above you too. Real talk. And I get, it's a get world. I get P L's, I get profit loss. I, I get making money. I get all that, but there's a, there's a, part of of serving the people that work with you, for you, and then also serving the community and serving others to help them level up. After you've reached a certain level of success, that's the only way we can all achieve our greatest heights. So thank you for that. Final, final, Brother Malcolm, what's your final word about being on the show?
1: One, I thank you uh, for, thank you, for giving me this opportunity uh, to shed some light on, on Malcolm. Uh, you know, I won't talk much about myself, I normally don't talk about my upbringing and, and uh, some of the mishaps that I've made as a youngster. Well, but if, if, if that reaches one child and helps he or she decide that, you know, hey, if that guy can do it, I can do it. My job is done, mm. I already know Ooh. it. Because I've already affected change when it came to my children. I am not, part, I'm not questioning, what they're how they're going to elevate and level up. I already know they're going to because that's the way they were raised. But not everybody was raised that same way. So again, if what my experience and my my ability to level up the way I have has the opportunity to affect change in somebody else's life, then brother our job is done. Yes sir, thank you for that brother Malcolm. And thank
0: you for everybody out there tuning into this episode of the Coach V show. You can catch us on YouTube. Uh, we'll be on Spotify as well. But every Mono Motivation Monday, we're going to feature someone like Malcolm. And this is different because we've had a, a handful of people, but Malcolm is one of those people who um, had the valor. And there, there's a difference between courage and valor. And 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 I love the word valor because he, he served our country. And valor goes beyond courage because it really makes... No self interest or preservation of themselves that they would give everything for the cause. And really, that cause, when you're serving the military, is the United States of America and our people. So, uh, we salute you, Brother Malcolm, and sure. everybody out there that's servant. And we thank you for sharing your story of perseverance and that, you know, do the right thing. The hard thing. To do is the right thing when no one is looking. And thank you everybody for tuning in to the Coach V Show here on Island City. And for Malcolm and I, it is just not for the sake of success that you would tune in for a show like this, but really for the sake of being your best. In doing so, you realize the best of your abilities and that everything and anything that you dream, work, and pray for can be achieved. This is how your boy Malcolm and your boy Coach V lives, all about faith and family. Grateful for God's amazing grace. Until next month on Motivation Monday, one love and respect from your boy, Coach V, and your boy, Malcolm. One love, mad respects, live it. Peace.